0: So in the event you haven't been here the last couple weeks, just to bring you up to speed, we have some guests that just keep showing up unexpectedly, and often they show up during Wednesday chapels, as we're really sharing this theme with our kids, it's our school year theme as well, and their names are fits and bits, and it just so happened we had a camera rolling here in the sanctuary, and they showed up unexpectedly again this week. i want to show you what happened. Wait a minute, I think this got left out after chapel on Wednesday. And I bet they're gonna need it on Sunday for communion. You know what, I'm gonna be a nice guy, I'm gonna go ahead and put it back in place, because that's what I do. Anybody else hearing that? Stop, 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 what are you doing? You are not supposed to touch this. You, you scrawny little man, sit, sit with your little puny muscles. Beautiful hair. Very nice. Oh, it is very nice. Yes, is I nice. am Fitz, and he is Fitz. No, 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 no. I am Fitz, and he is Fitz. <sighs> I'm sorry. Okay. So, we are here you to, to build. You, you are, are. Now, scrawny man, leave it to the ministry professionals. Yes, the professional with the big bottles. Yes, it yes. is what we do. We are the church workers. You only hurt yourself. Yes, you are very skinny and scrawny, with, with nice, very nice hair. It's, yes, but we do this! Do this. Ah, yes, yes! Ah. Okay, just, just watch, do not do! Just awkward. watch with your pretty hair! <laughs> hmm, well I guess they don't need me anymore. Hmm, how do we do this? I do not know! So I think you'd agree there's something messed up with that, right? You would agree? And and here's the thing, we need to get into God's Word to be reminded what it means truly to be built up as God's people, His body, the church. Let's turn to the text today. We're going to start with Ephesians chapter 4, just verses 7 through 10 to start. And I want to ask you to open the scripture with me, open the the worship Bible, uh, and or turn to your worship folder where it's also printed. And and let's get into the text. Uh, Again, Ephesians chapter 4 beginning with verse 7, the Apostle Paul writing by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we continue here, um, and he writes this. He says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended, higher than all the heavens, in order to fill the whole universe. Let am going to stop there for a moment and just pull this apart a little bit. Kind of confusing, if you ask me. Uh, just at first look, what does this mean? What is Paul writing? He's putting this in quotation marks. What, what is he saying? Now, um, he's quoting from Psalm 68, kind of, because it's not exactly a perfect quotation, Many have thought maybe what he's also quoting is a a hymn, a common hymn of the day. And and really, what's he talking about when it says here, when he ascended on high, took many captives, gave gifts to his people, what does he ascended mean except that he descended to the lower earthly region? I mean, what what is really being referred to here? And a little theological side note on this, kind of interesting, um, there are really three views from theologians through through the years of what is being mentioned here. Uh, one view is, and it makes sense, that this is a, a, a specific reference to Jesus and his incarnation. So here's God who has always been, uh, Jesus who is part of the Godhead, who descends into uh, you might say descends into greatness of humility among his people, that the great incarnation of God coming among us in our broken, fallen, sinful, hurting world, that Almighty God in perfection and, and in his, his omnipotence, all powerful, he, he comes into the brokenness of humanity. He humbles himself as a servant, which is this incredible miracle of the incarnation, God descending to the lower earthly regions of of our reality. Um, that certainly makes a lot of sense, and, and I would suggest I think that probably makes sense what's being referred to here. Uh, another view is, is that this is a reference to Jesus' descent into hell. First Peter brings that up as well, that, that Jesus descended into, uh, uh, in, into the Hades or into hell uh, to ultimately proclaim victory over death. And in that reference, it would seem maybe that isn't the best fit here, but some theologians have thought that's the reference here. It's one more reference to the descent into hell that we confess in the Apostles' Creed. Now, there's a third view, kind of interesting, which also makes a little sense here, is that when it says that he ascended into the highest heavens in order to descend, that's a reference to the Holy Spirit coming among God's people, and that the Holy Spirit that would empower them with gifts of service to serve and build up the body of Christ. That kind of makes sense, too. Um, now, are you confused? Yeah, me too. Let's keep going. But, but he begins this, by the way. I'm not kidding. I, I, I am kidding. You know, I think it's pretty clear here, given context. We're talking about Christ. We're talking about the church. We're talking about his body, and, and part of what makes the body the body of christ is christ coming among his people and the great reference to that is it's where he gives us his grace it says here but to each one of us in verse 7 there grace has been given as christ apportioned it maybe you've learned this years ago in confirmation or recently in confirmation maybe you've learned it in past sermons or bible classes a great way to remember what grace means it's a great acronym Is Anybody know it? God's riches at Christ's expense. And you think about if that is what defines grace, this gift of God, that God invests in us by coming in his presence into this broken, fallen world. I mean, God could have just said, you know, to hell with all of you. You have rejected me. You're in sin. You're broken people. You're my creation. But he could have just said, enough with that. And he could have just left us alone. In our suffering, in our brokenness, in our separation from him. But what does God do? He comes among us, this great gift, and it's not money that he spends on us. It's Christ, God's riches, is his son. And that richness of that gift of God comes at Christ's expense. God would enter the brokenness of humanity to lay down his life. And to give us a reason to serve. Put this in context. You've maybe heard me share this one of my favorite stories. I remember reading it years ago. I've shared it in Bible classes. I've shared it in messages. It's the story of a man from Europe, from England, comes to the United States during the days of the Gold Rush, and and he had heard word what was happening in California and and how gold was was being discovered there. And so he makes his way to California and spends some days prospecting. And and once you know it, he discovers and strikes it rich. And and after some time of of uh, minding this out and realizing he is a very wealthy man, uh, he decides it's time to return home. And, and as he's coming back across the United States and, and making his way through New Orleans, where he's going to catch a, a ship to head back to his homeland in England, uh, when he, he walks into New Orleans, and, and he sees this group of people gathered around a stage. And, and on the stage... Is this huge? I'm talking huge, burly, muscular man, and, and and as from a distance, it looks like he's flexing his muscles. He's thinking, "Hey, this must be a strongman competition." And as he gets close enough, he realizes this man is in chains. He's thinking, "Oh, he's going to break the chains to show his strength." And gets even closer, and he realizes that's not the case at all. This strong man is being auctioned off as a slave. And his, his stomach is just churning. He's like, this, this is not right. He's thinking in, in, in England, slavery had been abolished decades before. And he's like, this is not right. And as a, this strong man is, is led away because someone bid on him and the highest bidder takes him off and leads him away in chains, they then bring this, this, this young girl on stage. And and they open up the bidding, and and he's looking at it. Here's this beautiful young girl. And people start shouting out all the things they're going to do with her if they win the bid. Things that cross the line sexually. Things that people were laughing about. Ah, that's hilarious. And and this little girl, this beautiful young girl being demeaned in, in front of the crowd. Being auctioned off as an object. This man can't handle it anymore. He looks down at, at his bags, at his feet that are filled with gold and riches. And he raises his hand, and, and he bids this price. And everybody turns to look back, and I'm like, are you crazy? Who would pay that much? He's like, she's worth it, and I'm taking her. And they're like, you're crazy to spend that much. He can't be worth that much. And he walks forward, he shows them the money in gold. And he leads, him, or leads her away from that area. She immediately says, I hate you, I hate you. And she spits in his face. She kicks him in the shin. She says, I want nothing to do with you. And he says, please, understand. She's like, I hate you. And she spits in at him again. He leads her down the street, takes her to a storefront, glass windows on the front. He says, wait here. She's like, I don't want to wait for you. I hate you. And he says, wait here. Trust me. Wait here. He walks up the stairs, goes inside the storefront. She watches through the glass as an argument ensues with someone behind a counter. The man lifts up another bag, plops it on the counter, and and this exchange of of more arguing happens, and it's there that finally a piece of paper is signed between the two of them. The, The man comes out and... And says to the girl, as he presents her the piece of paper, she's like, don't mock me. I don't, I don't like you. I hate you. And, and, and she tries to get away. And he says, wait. And he presents her this piece of paper. And he says, I've purchased your freedom. You are free to go. She's like, I hate you. Don't mock me. He says, no, you are free. You are no longer a slave. And as that reality sinks in, this young girl falls to her knees, weeping. And she, with her tears falling on the boots of the man, she begins to hug his feet and his, his ankles. And you hear this whimper come out of her, if I truly am free, and you are willing to do that for me, then all I want to do is serve you with my life. A pretty powerful story, I think. But it gives us a glimpse of, At how powerful freedom can be. When God would enter into our brokenness. Into our slavery to sin and rejection and failure and and guilt and shame. And maybe you're living there today and you're overwhelmed by it. And yet God, don't miss this. Don't hear it as if you've heard it a million times. Hear it for the first time. You are free. And that freedom has been purchased for you. It's why Paul would say, you know, we are made captive by the one who would descend among us. And you say, why would I want to be captive? No, the captivity is one of freedom. And one that God wells in us, this gift to realize we are loved, we are forgiven for our past and our present. And a God who has now set us free to live for him. A response is, Lord, in your grace, in your riches at Christ's expense... All I want to do is serve you. I want to share all that I am to make a difference in your kingdom. Now you understand the motivation of what we're going to get into next. Now, Paul goes on and he says this in verses 11 through 13. Let's read that now. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Pull that apart a little bit. Name an apostle. I know it's 8 o'clock. You can do this. Which one? James. Okay, name another one. John. Matthew. How about Peter? You get the idea. The original disciples, Jesus called them, and, and he had established... These apostles in the early church, they recognized even to fill Judas's place. They, they made it very clear, the requirements, that, that uh, an apostle would need to be one who was there from the very beginning. Uh, whom Jesus called directly and, and, and had become you know a leader. And the apostles, Paul then later becomes an apostle by way of his direct calling from Jesus. Uh, one might say abnormally because he wasn't there from the beginning. He was one who was persecuting the church. And yet is called an apostle in, in, in that way. Here you have him being mentioning the apostles chosen by Jesus, leaders in the church, undisputed. Of course, God is going to work through them. All right, And then you've got what else? You've got apostles, you've got prophets. May remember in the Old Testament prophets that were established by God as a mouthpiece to declare the truth of God. Often those those truths were to, a calling to repentance when God's people uh, would reject God's ways, and a prophet would speak truth and, and turn God's people to turn in, in repentance back to Him. Uh, these prophets, as a mouthpiece for God, it, it understandingly named there that here is, is God who has established prophets as well as apostles and. And then he goes on and he says, evangelists, what are evangelists? People that spread the good news, right? People who call people to faith. Now, are we all called to share the good news of Jesus? Absolutely. But there's very clear in Scripture that some have a gift for evangelism, and evangelists are those who have that ability to share the faith in powerful ways that the Spirit works through them. It's not by their power, but they have a gift for that, and and Paul mentions evangelists. And then he says, Pastors, who's your favorite pastor? Pastor Steve. I get it. Yeah. That's what they said last night, too, by the way. Now, and you're my favorite pastor too, just so you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but your favorite or you think of, you know, a pastor in your lifetime that just made the biggest impact in your life. You know, what a gift a pastor can be. Literally an under-shepherd, under the shepherd, the good shepherd of Jesus, a ministry of service there. But also then, you get into teachers, and, and, and in our ministry here, the, the teachers that are such a blessing through our school ministry uh, in, in, in profound ways, and those that are in the, the teaching uh, calling among us here at St. John is, is just an amazing blessing that God is using. And, and can you imagine now, just If we stop there and we say, isn't it great how amazing our church is and this dream team of pastors and teachers, people called to the ministry that do the work of ministry, and that is why our church is what it is. Hmm. Is that true? I watched a few football games yesterday. You know, some of them went better than others. But if you've ever watched a football game, you know this, that what if only one person or two people on a team play? And the rest of them stand there and say, wow, you're really good. How's that game going to go? You see, the team will lose every time. And, and that is what God establishes us for us. is If you want to get technical, you want to know who's really in ministry, In St. John, or at St. John as a community of faith. If you want to talk and get technical and theological, who truly is in ministry today, it's actually not us, it's someone else. Because he goes on and he says this. So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip his people for works of service. Who are his people? The church, God's people, to equip God's people, literally his saints, because saints aren't just in heaven or established by some church body to be saints. No, biblically, God's believing people in Jesus, by nature of their calling in Christ, are saints of God. God has equipped the saints of God, as it says here, for works of service, also can be translated literally for ministry. And our calling in ministry is to equip you for ministry. Do You see how that works? In other words, it's not about walking in and saying, no, you can't do that. That's our job. No, wait a minute. Do you imagine if everything that happened in a church was up for the pastor to do personally? Where would we be? We'd all be standing there saying, man, this is not going well, right? And just like, I think about this, you know, it's not about us. It's about us, right? Or it's not about me. And Pastor Mark's saying, I love our church because it's my, no, it's, it's our church. It's, it's about together in ministry. My job is to equip you. Pastor Steve is to equip you for works of service, ministry, as, as Paul says it here. And why? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's a lot riding on this, isn't there? That the body of Christ might be built up, that that we might experience unity of faith, and, and this maturity of faith. That maturity is not just saying, well, that's my church. I go there for an hour on Sunday. I like it. No, being part of the church is engaging, being part of ministry, being equipped to say, Lord, how have you wired me? How am I gifted to serve? How am I been given an opportunity to make a difference for eternity? Very different than we see in the gospel reading. Where we have this, which this, man, this rich man, he's got so much. I mean, and, and, and what is his motivation? You see the word show up again and again. I, 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 this is what I'll do for me. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build bigger barns and bigger investments so that I can be more wealthy and so that I can retire early, drink, eat, and be merry. It's the American dream, folks, right? And Jesus says, You fool. You fool. Because we've missed it. If we think this life is all about the I, we've missed it. God has given us an opportunity to be part of something so significant, so life changing, so transformational, so based on not the temporary but on the eternal, based in our calling. God's riches at Christ's expense that helps us to see it's by his gift that I've been given this life. All that I have, my abilities, my talents, my time, even my treasures, to make an eternal difference for the kingdom. Think about how that plays out around here. Last weekend, we were given thanks for a birthday among us. Many of you know Bempy Mesh and and how Bempy, if you've ever received a call on your birthday... Raise your hand if you have. I love that. You've received that from Bempe, most, most likely. She has a heart to do that and has picked that up years ago and continues to make those calls faithfully. There's a lot of people in this church, and you think about how many calls she makes every day and every week and does so faithfully, not because she wants credit for it, not because she wants glory, but rather because she loves her Savior and it's an opportunity to share her Savior's love and to build up the body of Christ. Um, just recently, and they are going to be mad I'm bringing this up. Henry and Marilyn Meyer approached Pastor Steve and I and said, Hey, we, w- we have a heart uh, for our homebound folks and wondering if we could get involved in visitation. And we're like, Are you kidding? This would be amazing. And what a team to go and visit and share. Just recently, Jim Schwark, uh, one of our elders, just stepped up and said, Hey, I want to visit as well. And uh, Jim had, had emailed us this week. He'd made a visit to one of our dear people. And he says, you know, and he shared just how that visit went, and he says, you know, I went there to share Jesus, and I found out, I went home and realized I was the one that was blessed. That's what happens when we tap into just a holy desire to serve, how God has wired us up. I talked to someone else this week, and, and, and they and their family have gone through transitions with, with her father, and, and, and just she shared with me just her heart for those who are seniors and going through difficult times. She's like, you know, just the the ministry involved in that. That's God working in our lives. Think about the people who gather every week in a little room on our campus and they count the money from the weekend. I I love calling them. Those are the people that really count, right? (laughs) Literally. It's it's a joke, right? But, But it's true. I mean, it's a thankless job. And yet an important job, and, and there's a fellowship that goes with that as well. And maybe you notice that there's an opportunity to get involved in that currently that's being listed in the connection. Maybe that's your heart, or you love finance, or you, you say, I, I, I'm a leader, I've been equipped this way. You know, I love what Paul says elsewhere. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8, here's what it says. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And I'm going to read on, but just that, that reminder. Don't, it's not that we step forward to serve so that we can get credit and say, how wonderful am I? Just like if a pastor says, how wonderful am I? You know what? It's going to be our shipwreck. And so it goes in ministry. It's not about us. It's not about saying, I did this or I did that. Rather, it's getting out of the way so that the great I am can have his way in and through us as his people, as he's intended, as he's wired us and given us gifts. And Paul goes on, he says, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is If it's preaching, then preach in in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. How has God wired you? Maybe it's with a love of kids and and getting involved in children's ministry. Maybe it's a love of compassion for those who are homeless or going through difficult times. And God has wired you. And meanwhile, this week, we got a a team going to serve at St. Paul in Pontiac and make a difference there. Or maybe it's family of God in Detroit to get involved, to connect with that holy heartburn that God has given you. Maybe you've been driving by for weeks wondering who's going to pull those weeds in front of the front sign and plant flowers. Have any of you thought that? Bam, you're in charge, right? (laughs) My point is, is don't wait for somebody else. As the church being the body of Christ, how do we build the body of Christ up? It's stepping forward to serve a gift according to how we've been given in answer to his calling over our life. And and it's not about the I. It's about the I am living out through us. Uh, Let's pray. Ask God's leading in that. Lord Jesus, we praise you for being your body, your church, built up as each of us are equipped in works of service, literally, Lord, in ministry together, to be in ministry, not just professionally in ministry, but all of us being, by way of calling, even better than being professional, Lord, we are called to be in ministry together, that the church, the the body of Christ might be built up, that we might reach maturity of faith. Lord, may these be days where your spirit It's moving among us where more and more we step forward to make an eternal difference together. Serving, not just on our campus, but in our community, in our neighborhoods, and in our world today. Lord, use us powerfully to build each other up, but ultimately to build your kingdom up into the world. That Lord Jesus, your message of hope and salvation would be shared more and more. Use this powerfully. We praise you for all the ways you're making that impact among us. May it be so more and more by your power and in your name because of your grace in Jesus. Amen.